If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, hold your hand up real high. The ushers have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to 1 Corinthians 15 and uh, Psalm 90. 1 Corinthians 15 and Psalm 90. 1 Corinthians 15, we begin recently on a new series. This is our text. We're excited about some things. And if you hadn't been with us, you're going to find it interesting what we're excited about. (laughs) You're going to go, hmm, excited about that. Well, just hold on. You can be excited too. 1 Corinthians 15 and 57. It says, But thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Read that out loud with me, please. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. Thanks be to God. Now, you'll hear this scripture quoted in reference to victory over physical problems, victory over financial problems, victory over any number of things, and I believe that's applicable. But this is verse 57, and the 56 previous verses dealt with what the victory is over. Back up to what is about verse 53 or so. Let's see. Verse 53, this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. If you go all the way back to the beginning of the chapter, he was talking about Jesus being raised from the dead. And how that applies to us. If he raised from the dead, those that believe in him will raise from the dead. He didn't do it for himself. He didn't need it. He did it for us. His victory is our victory. Thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory. How do we get it? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. He got it. But he didn't get it for himself. He didn't, he didn't sin. He didn't need to pay any price for his sins. He didn't need to be judged. For any of his failures or mistakes. So he didn't need to die. He didn't need to be crucified for himself. He did it for you. He did it for me. He didn't need to be raised from the dead for himself. But he was. His victory. Is my victory. His resurrection is also my resurrection. And if he was raised, so will I be raised. The resurrection is the core of the Christian faith. It is the heart of the gospel. Look through the book of Acts sometimes and see how many times the resurrection is referred to in their preaching. Paul preached it so much, they thought he was talking about the the people, the Athenians and all those guys. They thought he was talking about two different gods, Jesus and the resurrection. He preached it that way. And that's called the gospel. And you hear some foolish people, some foolish so-called intellectuals in the church saying, well, you know, there's debate about the literal virgin birth or the literal physical resurrection of Jesus. 
And that's not the main thing. The, the main thing are the teachings of Jesus. Uh-uh. No, sir, no, ma'am. If Jesus did not literally, physically raise from the dead, there is no salvation. There is no church. There is no future. And you ought not be wasting your time in here today. Oh, but there is. He did. And we will. I'm so glad I'm not confused about it. I'm convinced. Are you confused or convinced? Convinced. Well, that's what this led up to for him to say, thanks be unto God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The victory over what? Over death. Victory over death is specifically what he's talking about. Keep reading. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. The, the Greek literally means gulped. Gulp. <laughs> In victory. In victory. Verse 55 you can see, having started from verse 1, I can hear Paul preaching. And he's got excited now. And, and he's going to get sassy with death. And he said, oh, death, where is your sting? What does that mean? I don't feel you. I am feeling no pain from you. Oh, grave, where's your victory? You don't have any victory. Now, I want you to listen to this, saints. Is it possible to stand by a grave, putting a loved one's body in there, and say, Death, where is your sting? Grave, you haven't won anything today. Grave, you have no victory. My loved one is not here. And this is not even the end of this body. This body is coming up again. Grave, you have won nothing. And that's when he says, thanks be unto God. Which gives us the victory. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Go to Psalm 90 please. The scripture tells us that we ought not to sorrow like those who have no hope. And the scripture also tells us that the fear of death makes us subject to bondage, slavery. Fear of death, we'll just put it up on the screen for us. Hebrews 2, you know where you're going? Psalm 90, but in Hebrews 2, and I want you to put your eyes on it, Hebrews 2, uh, 14 and 15, as much then as children are partakers of the flesh and blood, he also himself took part of the same. Jesus had the same kind of body you got. Why? Why did he come and die? 
The Bible said, he, we, we talked about this last time, he tasted death for every man. Why, why was it necessary to do that? A number of things happened, but here's a big one. Through death, through him dying, he did what? That he might destroy him that had, that's used to, the power of death, that is the devil. The devil used to have the power of death. I know he wants people to think he still does, but he doesn't. Jesus, in Revelation, it refers to Jesus and says now he has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. If you got the keys, you got the control. If I got the keys to the car, you can't drive the car unless you come see me. I got the keys. Jesus now, through him dying and what he did in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, he now has the keys and control, and the devil has been destroyed. Yes, oh, he, he wants to make himself out to be some evil, all, virtually opposite of God. He's not. He is a fallen, created being who ain't what he used to be. <laughs> Whose days are numbered. I mean. You know, soon and very soon. The Bible said a great big angel is going to come down with a chain. Right? And they're going to chain him up and throw him into the abyss. And, and apparently there's not one thing he can do about it. He can't, I guess he can't even put up a fight. There's nothing he can do. See, he ain't what he cracks himself up to be. <laughs> you think he'd at least wrestle a little bit, you know? But nothing, nothing. He just, boom. <laughs> and I'm not going to shed one tear for that lousy rascal. He's a sorry cuss. I'm telling you, he is a, whew. And he's going to get his. But uh, keep reading verse 15. Deliver them who through what? Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. And what else? Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death makes you subject to, liable to bondage of all kinds. Phobias are bondages. The list of phobias or fears is long. There's fears of heights, fears of depths, fears of close in places, fears of wide open spaces. There's fear of be, you know, being in a crowd, fear of being alone. There, there's all kinds of fears. But the fear of flying is not a fear of flying. It's a fear of crashing and dying. <laughs> Do you see that? Fear of spiders is not really just a fear of spiders. It's a fear of getting bit and dying or something along that line. It's a fear of loss. Fear of the water, it's a fear of drowning and dying. It's a fear of dying. And friend, listen to me. If you are no longer afraid to die, you are something the devil can't handle. When you are no longer afraid to die, then all these phobias go out the window. 
And there will come into your life a boldness and a strength, a courage. It'll change you. And you will no longer be bound, restricted, held in, held down. Far too many Christians act like this life is all there is. And they cling to it so tenaciously. And they'd spend anything and do anything just to have another day or two. Like this is all there is. That's ignorance. This is not all there. This is the briefest thing we will ever do. Look in Psalm 90. Verse 4. Psalm 90 verse 4. It says, for a thousand years in your sight, in your eyes, other translations say, are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Now here we are we're told how God perceives the passing of time. And it's different than how we do. How many remember Yesterday, yesterday, Saturday, you were there, right? You remember it? Huh? Does it seem like a long time ago? Yesterday. The previous thousand years to God seem like Saturday. To him, that's what it's like. That's how he perceives the passing of time. A millennia to him seems just like Saturday, yesterday does to us. Well, now those that are with him now, how would they perceive time? Well, they're with him. So why wouldn't they perceive it as he does, being with him? Well, they surely they would. Now, if you live to be a hundred years old, that is one-tenth of a thousand which means your whole hundred-year lifespan would be to God like two and a half hours. And it would be that, like that to those that are with him. If you're past 50, then you got about an hour left. <laughs> God time. The way he perceives it. That's also how we should think. We need to think like this. Later down in this passage, he says, teach us to number our days. Whether well, we may know how, how brief it is, how short it is. You are not going to continue doing what you were doing last week. Forever and ever. In fact, you're not going to do it much longer. Before this day is out, by the end of the day, we're told that approximately 155,000 people will have died somewhere on the planet. That works to, out to almost two every second. Two more. Two more died. The Bible calls it the way of all the earth. So why should we be so shocked when somebody dies? And yet people are, they, they live in this fantasy world. Like I'm going to get up, I'm going to go to work, I'm going to come back, we're going to wash your clothes, 
we're going to do this, we're going to get something to eat, we're going to cook, we're going to clean up. And like, you, like that's your existence, and you're going to do that for how much longer? <laughs> Maybe an hour? <laughs> that's reality. Now, now, here's something else that will help you. If that's so, then what about standing by the graveside of a loved one that's gone home? Then if we outlive them another 50 years, when we go home to be with the Lord and they see us, they'll go, wow, you're already here. Because <laughs> to them, it'll seem like they've only been there an hour before we got there. And when you're thinking about, well, I miss them and I just can't stand to be without them. Well, I understand that. You'd miss them. you like to see them. But you can't wait an hour till you see them again. You have to be incapacitated in grief. Because you can't wait an hour. See, if we really have our thinkings right in line with the word, we won't sorrow like the unsaved do. We won't grieve like those who have no hope. Let the word get in you this morning, saints. Let the word change your thinking. Don't believe all this junk that's floating around. Believe what he told you to believe. Believe the word. It's good. It's victory over death. Somebody say, thanks be unto God who gives me the victory. Oh, through my Lord Jesus Christ. Victory over death. Yes. Victory over death. Oh, we're making progress in here this morning, saints. We, we're making progress. Go to James, please, the second chapter. I want us to begin to talk about what happens at death. What happens? What is physical death? Now, when you're talking about death, it's not as simplistic as some might have thought. The Bible talks about that some people are dead while they live. Then, and the Bible talks about being dead in sins. The Bible talks about the second death. So you have to specify what you talk. We're talking today about physical death. What does that mean? What is physical death? To, to unbelievers, it is the cessation of life. It is termination. It is the end. That's all. No more. That's a lie. I said, that's a lie. Saved or unsaved, it ain't the end. Because, I want you to hold out your hand. I want you to touch it with the other. This is not you. Say it out loud. This is not me. It's the house I live in. This is not you. Now, the, the New Testament refers to this in, in, in a person talking about the flesh. They don't, they don't refer to it as me. They refer to it as the body. I know that sounds like a simple thing, but it would help you so much if you'll change your thinking. The body. It will help you when, then when you're dealing with death. I know a, a while back, a member of my family went home to be with the Lord. And uh, we went to the 
a funeral home where pick out the the casket and those kind of things and, and the family in with me in the car and we stopped and shut down the engine. Before we got out I said I said, wait just a minute everybody, wait just a minute. I, I looked at them all, I said, now this person I called their name, I said, they are not here. They're not here. I said it about two more times. They are not here. What's here? The body. And there's nobody in that body. And yet you see Christians. They'll come in and they go, where'd you put them? Where are they? Where'd you bury them? We didn't. We put that old body over there. <laughs> but they're not there. This, it's a shame that this is not real to a lot of Christians. They'll, they'll cling to that empty shell and they'll just grieve and weep and go I, I, I can't be without you and they'll go sit on top of a, a grave mountain and hug a tombstone and talk to the, the gravesite. There's nobody there. Believers should know this and they don't. Millions of them act just as confused as unbelievers. Go ahead, do it again. <laughs> Say, this, this is, not me. is not me. It's not you. What is it? It's, it's the body. It's my body. It's the house I live in. But it's not you. I mean, you drive by my house and go, that's Keith. That's Brother Keith. No, it ain't. <laughs> well, house, you, same thing. Oh, no, it ain't. My house and me is not the same thing. <laughs> and right now, I'm not in my house. I'm over here. <laughs> Doesn't mean I quit existing. Because I'm not in my house. Right? <laughs> James 2 describes what death is. Look in the uh, Message Bible. James 2.26. So the very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. <laughs> the body is referred to as a tent, as a tabernacle, as a house, as a sheath. The Chaldean word is sheath. That'd be like a, a sheath for a knife or a sword. The, all, the, all the examples parallel your body and your spirit are like a hand in a glove. The glove is not your hand. And your hand can exist just fine without a glove. Right? But the glove can't exist without the hand. Some people say, well, if you never got sick, how would you die? Well, if you pull your hand out of the glove, you don't have to stab the glove. <laughs> To get it to quit moving. <laughs> right? <laughs> because there's no life in the glove. Apart from the hand. And death. Is just like. Slipping your hand out of a glove. You slip out of your body. And, and when the body is dead. The body is unoccupied. It is vacant. Nobody's home. 
Right? <laughs> Nobody's there. That's the truth. Now go with me to 2 Corinthians. Can you take some more of this this morning? There's some really good things I want us to get to further. 2 Corinthians and the fourth chapter. What happens when you die physically? What happens? Because two more just then. Another two. Huh? It's just it's the truth. And soon and very soon, me and you. You scared? Should not be. What's gonna happen? We're given we're given good detail about what's gonna happen in the scriptures. Second Corinthians four and sixteen. It says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, this outward man is in the process of perishing. You know another word for aging? Decay. (laughs) I know you don't like it. It's not very nice. But that's what's going on. And the same thing is happening to the earth itself. This happening to your and my body. People talk about let's save the planet. It's dying. Ultimately it cannot be saved. Now that doesn't mean you have to try to see how quick you can mess everything up. We may need it for a while. So, But the Bible says the earth is groaning and travailing. The earthquakes, the volcanoes, the, the tsunamis, the storms, the tornadoes, the hurricanes. These are groanings and creakings. Why? The earth is getting old and it's wearing out. It's dying. You, the, the, the body that you and I have came from the earth. Same stuff is in our body that the planet's made out of. And one of these days we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Not only is God going to fix our body, He's going to fix our planet. Glory. It's going to be an amazing place. There will be It will never be too hot or too cold or too dry or too damp or too windy. There won't even be any violence in the jungle. The lion will lie down with the lamb and get along and be buddies. And little kids can tie snakes around their neck and not be harmed. And you can run through the woods and never step on a thorn. It's going to be amazing. Because uh, all this stuff is here because of the curse that's a result of sin. And all that's going to be fixed. And you're going to have a body that can keep up with that. And he talks about that in here. He said, keep reading. Verse 16. The outward man's perishing, but the inward man is renewed by day. You're inside, you are not aging, and you never will. You're developing, but you're never aging inside. You're not any older as far as aging and decaying inside than you were the day you were first born again. Hallelujah. And you never will. You know, here's a thought. A lot of you, your parents are already going home to be with the Lord. And the next time you see them, 
I'm talking about believers now. They are, you're going to be amazed. Because you never saw them when they were 19 years old. You're going to be amazed at how they look. And you're going to, you're going to be going, Mama, you look amazing. And she'll say, you don't look bad either. And you'll go, let me see, let me see. Where's the mirror? This is not fantasy. This is reality. Skip down to verse, chapter 5, verse 1. He said, we, in, in fact, let me read this from the Living Bible. Verse 1 here in, in the Living, if we can find that again. King James says, we know if our earthly house, what's he talking about? The body. This is not me. This is the earth house I live in. And and here the Living Bible calls it the tent. Well, a tent is a temporary structure. And that's exactly what this is. What is this? It's my tent. My temporary tent. When it's taken down, when we die and leave these bodies, we will have wonderful new bodies in heaven. Homes that will be ours forevermore, made for us by God himself. And not by human hands. <laughs> we're going to lose this. But it's going to be changed. And become one that's permanent. That will never age. Never decay. Verse 2. How weary we grow of our present bodies. And all the church said. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That is why we look forward eagerly to the day when we shall have heavenly bodies that we will put on like new clothes. What is this? It's my temporary tent. It's also my earth suit. Just like we're talking about, like a hand in a glove. It's a suit. It's my earth suit. Like being out in space, you've got to have a space suit. If you don't have a space suit, you can't stay out there. Right? And when you lose your earth suit, you can't stay here. You got to go. And uh, keep going, verse 3. For we shall not be merely spirits without bodies. Keep going. These earthly bodies make us groan and sigh. Have you ever heard it? Ah. Oh, hmm. Oh, e. ah, what is that? <laughs> yeah, maybe, you know, these bodies, thank God for them now. Because you don't have them, you can't stay. You can't stay down here without this earth suit. But they, they always need something. Don't they? I mean, all the time. I mean... They need to be cleaned or brushed or combed or dressed or fed or something. All the time. And just by the time you get it, you got to start over again. Right? All the time. It's enough to make you groan inside. These earthly bodies make us groan inside. But we wouldn't like to think of dying and having no bodies at all. It's not that we want to be bodiless. 
But we want to slip into something new. (laughs) Slip in to our new bodies so that these dying bodies will, as it were, be swallowed up by everlasting life. Isn't that what we read in our text? Death is swallowed up in victory. This mortal is going to become immortal. This corrupt is going to become incorruptible. We're going to be changed, 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 changed. And death is separation from the body. The spirit leaves the body. And like uh, Ecclesiastes says, the, the body returns to the ground it came from. The spirit returns to God who created it. Physical death is when the spirit and the body part ways. But it is not the end in, by any means. Because we will not just remain disembodied spirits. But the future is for us to have a glorified, hallelujah, resurrected body that is just like the Lord Jesus glorified body that he's in right now. The Bible said it's it's likened to his body, just like his. Can you say amen? Amen. Keep going. Verse 5. This is what God has prepared for us. And as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. How many have received the Holy Spirit? Good news. Come on, I want to know, have you received the Holy Spirit? Then that proves you're getting the body. It's a guarantee. (laughs) That you have the Spirit right now proves you're getting the new body. It's a done deal. You already got the guarantee. Look at verse 6. Let's look in the NIV now. Verse 6. Well, I tell you what, the living was good too, wasn't it? Let's, let's go back to that. Let's go back to that. So we look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies. Does that sound like dreading dying? No. It does not. We look forward with confidence to our heavenly bodies, realizing that every moment we spend in these earthly bodies is time spent away from our eternal home in heaven with Jesus. Because when we're here, we're not there. But if you're there, you're not here. Verse 7, we know these things are true by believing and not by seeing. King James says we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8. We are not afraid, but we are quite content to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. What does it mean to die physically? Paul said this, referring to his his imminent death. He said, the time of my departure is at hand. Been to the airport before? They have arrivals and they have departures. If you could stand outside the earth several hundred thousand miles or whatever and look and see in the spirit, you would see a steady stream of arrivals. I think about two or three hundred thousand a day. Births. Arrivals. And you would see a constant stream of departures from the planet. Like we said, about 150, 60,000 a day. Departures. Arrivals and departures. 
So when a loved one departs, you don't rip your clothes and grieve and act like you can't live anymore because they left and went somewhere else. Or do you? No. People say, well, will we know one another up there? Only if you knew them down here. Elsewise, you'd have to be introduced and get acquainted, I suppose. Certainly you will, because you're going to be you. They're going to be them, just in a different suit. Now, I preached here Friday night, but I had on a different suit. But I'm still me today, just another suit. You're you right now in your earth suit. Later on, you'll have another suit. You'll like it a lot better. But it'll still be you, just like it's you right now. Different suit, same you. Y'all with me, saints? Keep reading. We're, we're not afraid. But we're quite content to die, for then we'll be at home with the Lord. Keep going, verse 9. Our aim is to please Him always in everything we do. Whether we're here in the body, we want to please Him. Or whether we're away from the body and with Him in heaven, we want to please Him. Be with Him, whether it's by faith or in person. We're with Him by faith. We don't see Him, we don't hear Him, we don't feel Him with our hands. But we know He's here. But it's by faith. It's going to be great though. When you actually see Him. Actually hear Him. You're there. Just like you're standing here and there's a platform, you'll be standing here and there's a throne. And the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. This is not a fairy tale. This is real. And in about an hour, (laughs) you'll be there. (laughs) What's it like when your spirit slips out of this body? What's it like? The Bible gives us some very enlightening detail. Go over to 2 Corinthians 12. What's it like when you slip out? 2 Corinthians 12 and 2. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. And a lot of people, scholars believe that Paul is referring to himself. But whether he is or or someone else, truth is the same. Whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell. Somebody say, I can't tell. You can't tell what? Can't tell what? Whether he was in his body, or whether he was out of his body, he couldn't tell. Because he had been both. But on this particular experience, he says, I don't know which one it was. God knows. And apparently it didn't make a whole lot of difference to him. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. The atmosphere above us, from the ground up to what, 70, 80, 90, 100,000 feet, whatever, atmosphere, that's called heaven, first heaven. Out beyond that, space. But apparently there's something out beyond that. The third heaven. Keep going, verse 3. I knew such a man. And he says it again. Whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. Say it out loud, I couldn't tell. 
Say it again. Couldn't tell what? Whether I was still in my body or whether I was already out of my body. I couldn't tell. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise. There's a lot more to heaven, so to speak, than what we have thought. There has been some traditional ideas that I believe will be proven incorrect. The word for paradise is like our word for park. But Garden of Eden type park. (laughs) He said, I was in this amazing paradise park. And I heard unspeakable words. I heard words not lawful. Some, Some believe it means both. Not able to express it and not allowed to say it either. But whether I was in my body there or whether I was out of my body there, I can't tell you, he said. Why? It must be very much the same. Being in your body to being out of your body. Somebody say it again, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Over the years, I've, I've listened to a lot of people give recount cases of having died and, and left their body and come back. And there's some stories you wonder about, but There's a whole lot of them that are so similar. And yet it's somebody, it's a teenager from Africa and it's a 80 year old from Canada and they sound the same. And this one was a a Presbyterian, this one was a nothing, and this one was a this, this one was a that, and, and again and again, some of the very same things. One guy told this, he had, he was laying on the couch and had a heart attack. And his wife called the EMTs. And uh, he said, uh, all at once, he's on top of the house. And he thought, how'd I get up here? And, and he said he saw the ambulance drive up. And he, and he thought, who are they coming for? <laughs> and then he said they got out. And they knew that the, the man had a heart issue. And so they had that, that thing, you know, that they give you the shock with. And he said, to one of the EMTs turned it on. And, and then he said, uh, expletive, and said that uh, it was, wasn't charged up. And so they couldn't do it the way they needed to. And he saw, he saw them out there with the thing and all. This is outside the house. <laughs> and then he realized that his body was back there on the couch. It took him a while to realize that. To him, he couldn't tell, I guess, huh? He didn't realize at the moment he was out. Well, they got him back, and then he told them about the uh, shocking thing, and they were shocked (laughs) that he knew that. How in the world? He said, I saw you. I saw you wrestling with it. (laughs) Over and over and over and over again, you'll hear the same thing. Usually the person is up above looking down on their body and the people in the room. And, and most all the times, the situations I've heard, they've said, uh, you know, for the first good little while, they didn't realize they were out of their body. It, it didn't sink for them. This one lady, I thought this was real humorous. She was, they had this apparatus hooked up to her to make her immobile. And they were working on her and something went really wrong. And 
she began to die and actually did. She didn't know it. But all at once, she's out in the hall. And her first thought was, ooh, I'm going to be in so much trouble. They told me not to move. (laughs) And she's out in the hall. (laughs) Now let's just stop for a minute. She don't even know she's out of her body. She doesn't know that she's dead. Because what is dead? It's just this. Just the body, the spirit coming out of the body. And so uh, she said she looked around and she heard everything, saw everything just like this, you know. But she said she realized there were these lights and speakers. She's looking at them eye level. And she realized when they brought her in, they rolled her in. That was way up at the top of the room. She thought, I shouldn't be able to see this eye to eye. And she looked down. She's up above everything. (laughs) And so she looked around, looked in the room, and they were all gathered around her body, working feverishly. And she thought, oh, man, that lady's got problems. (laughs) (laughs) That's her body. (laughs) And I've heard numerous ones of them say that, you know, that when they realize that's their body and that they're dead, they're out of their body, it's like they really didn't feel any attachment to that body any longer. It's like, so what? You know? Really didn't care about it. It's the old suit. What's the difference between being in the body and out of the body? Apparently, initially, you won't be able to tell any difference. Paul said, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. So our loved ones that have gone, no doubt, many, many of them, uh, when they first left, if we were in the room or around, they saw us. They heard what we said. They knew. And then we left. I mean, excuse me, they left. But just because somebody moves to another state, you don't grieve like you lost them forever. And one of the favorite things that people have, even Christians go around saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Sorry for your loss. And people grieve and they're tormented and tortured by, well, I want to do this with daddy and I want to do this with my brother and sister and I guess I'll never get to do it. Who said you'll never get to do it? You're about to see them in in an hour, right? Why won't you get to do some things with them? Your loved ones are not just in your past. They're in your future. Your very near future. Oh, friends, do you believe these things? Does it make a change in your mind, in your thoughts, the way you hear things, the way you see things? Is it really possible to stand by the grave and say, Death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? Thanks be unto God who has given us and gives us the victory over death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, everybody. Oh, thanks be unto God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.